This is the Thought Leader Podcast. That means welcome, everybody, Randy. Just, just so you're not worried. <laughs> I, I thought it was something different, but okay. I am Dr. Kent. And I am Randy Baker. And today we're going to jump on the number nine bus. We're going to put some instruments in the back, throw them over our shoulder, take the get the music and the language and we're going to go all the way to the other side of Austin, Texas and we're going to talk with Sammy Halabi. Halabi. Yeah. yeah, I got a compliment in the middle of this interview or maybe it was afterwards. Uh, he said I pronounced his name right. That was fun. Uh, now, this interview is interesting, right? So Sammy has a story and I can just sense it's coming out a little bit. Uh, he's got a great app as well, but I'd love to see more of that story emerging. Yeah, and interesting because I think it was 16 or 17 languages that he reeled off that he speaks. No, seriously, I think he's only fluent in six, but it felt like a whole lot more. But yeah. I think it's very interesting to see that a young man's love of language and music can be combined into something that the world really needs. And just as an added feature, I thought it was really interesting how he um, compared his two childhood homes, uh, uh, Texas and the Middle East. So yeah. fun, fun conversation. Fun conversation. So please uh, listen all the way through. This is a really interesting conversation with a young man that's really going places. So here's our interview with Sammy. Nice to talk with you, Sammy. Uh, I have to start because having spent a bunch of time in the Middle East, you have a very, like Sammy Halabi, a very, is it Levantine sort of uh, name? Are your folks from the Middle East or where does that come from? That is 100% correct. Uh, we are Levantine, uh, Levantine descent. I'm actually a first generation Arab American. So I spent a good amount of my childhood in the in Syria, oh, cool. Ah, cool. So uh, I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're the first person that said Halabi like as close as I've heard it. <laughs> so good job yeah, on that. So I, I speak I speak Palestinian Arabic, so it's very close yeah. to Syrian and and whatever. So cool. Anyway, Nice to nice to talk with <laughs> So you're in Austin, Texas. Uh, yes. What brings you to Austin? You just give us the whole environment. How did you get here? Yeah, good, good question. I guess I'll try to do like the two minute version, very quick. Um, I'm, like I said, kind of a an individual that's raised on a cultural fault line, back and forth between the Middle East and the United States. I spent more time in Syria than in Lebanon, and in the United States, in Texas, primarily, uh, starting off in Dallas. And then once we settled down, you know, middle school, going to high school, uh, we actually moved to a small town in central Texas. And uh, then we just started going back abroad for the three-month summers. And the small town is called Temple, 60,000 people. Really exciting town with so much to do. And then we finished high school experience there. My brother and I, he's three and a half years older than me, 
and then I moved to Austin to go to UT. Long story short, I was going to go to New York, uh, New York University. I was enrolled there. And my mom, um, you know, in the typical Arab mother's conniving way, <laughs> convinced me to stay behind in Texas. And um, I, I ended up going to UT Austin instead. So uh, after UT, I just got a job here in Austin at, at Oracle and stayed since. Interesting. And, and growing up in, that's a, such a fascinating childhood. So I know Dallas really well. Uh, I believe I've been through Temple, Texas, or maybe I just think that in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's that's the part of Texas where football is king, and I mean, couldn't be couldn't be further in so many ways from Syria, from the Middle East, but in but in other ways, very friendly culture, right? People say, "Come on in, sit down, let's talk, let's hang out." So what? So how did you to start? Like, how did you kind of I don't know, uh, grow up different than other kids? Good question. You know, it's, I wish it was as clean of a transition from one warm culture to another, but um, I don't know how forthright I'm supposed to be here. I, I genuinely believe that the distinction is that the warmth and the generosity and the good heartedness is very sincere in the Middle East. Um, I feel like here in the United States, especially in the South, it's a little bit more performative. People, act very friendly and act very kind and not saying that they have malicious intent but it's not really based in anything i think it's more so based in well this is just how i've seen others act rather than in the middle east where it's based, you know based on this unspoken yet ubiquitous social contract that everyone just ascribes to and familial contract that everyone ascribes to uh, so to me there's just a lot more meat and a lot more foundation in uh, in that type of in our culture in the middle east and a lot more basing for the way that we are versus in the United States where it's just yeah. a lot more. Kind of, I was shocked know. when I uh, lived in the Middle East that the invitations, oh, come on and sit down, I'll get you some food from strangers, right? Because yeah. I was this, you know, six foot, seven inch tall white kid in the middle of <laughs> Jerusalem or something, you know, that spoke a little bit of Arabic and they're like, come on in, you know? And they would, they would, they said, oh, you play instruments and they'd go find an instrument. And they're like, oh, you want some food? They'd go get some food and I'd hang out for hours. And I'm thinking, what, what is going on here? And it's like, no, this is, it's what, you know, I was used to in the South in, in, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana at the time where, where I grew up, uh, partially. Yeah. So, so interesting. So, so the looking at that kind of culture and now you're in tech culture. Also kind of a weird world, right? So a lot of people make fun of it and say the 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 overweight guy's sitting in his basement, right? But how would you describe that culturally? Because now you're in that entrepreneur world, uh, startup yeah. world, on, yep. you know, lonely world. Totally. It's very distinct. It's very distinct. I think the tech culture is... So if we're just going to talk about speed, for one, the pace at which... You, know, you operate within a tech atmosphere, especially in more modern or high-tech atmospheres, is like faster than anyone cares to keep up with. Uh, while in the Middle East, you know, like you said, you take hours and relax and, and lounge, and it's a lot more of a slow, slower pace, uh, a lot more relaxed, a lot less, um, a lot less regimented feeling of you know, get things done, things are due yesterday. Let's go, let's go. Um, 
And, you know, that can be said of pretty much any corporate environment, but I think in tech particularly so, just because of the nature of technology, just being, you know, um, kind of light speed and um, it's kind of this feeling that you have to keep up. And then even more so pronounced in the entrepreneurial world when I started my company two and a half years ago, which is also a tech company, that, you know, was more of the same. Uh, but even more so because in the entrepreneurial world, uh, you don't really have, you know, a safety net that you're falling back on. Like your success is your doing or your undoing every day. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a very different case to that question. I want to go back, Sammy, just a little bit to your younger years. Um, traveling between the Middle East and the US, languages. So presumably you speak Arabic. Was Arabic spoken at home? And how mm-hmm. do you get by understanding the Southern drawl here in, in Texas, <laughs> which is a totally different language to what you would have had to learn if you went to university in New York? So you've got all these languages mixed up in your head. And how does that impact music? I just want to connect the whole lot together if we can. So um, just to clarify, I, I grew up speaking Arabic at home, French at school, and so went to an international school that was French-based, and then English at school as well in society around me. And then I picked up Spanish starting in second grade and proficient in that as well as German. I self-taught in high school and lived in Germany for six months. So that I solidified it that there. And then Italian most recently is my my most recent endeavor, finally conversational, so happy about that. Uh, but my, yeah, my goal is to hit seven languages by 2024. That's my big, my big hair goal. And music, as a musician, I've been uh, in music since I was seven. I've done vocals and piano since age of seven, uh, about 20 years now. And I did trumpet for a few years as well. So to me, um, the nexus between languages and music is very palpable. Um, the one, you know, came as fluid as the other because I feel, I, I mean, I know neuroscientifically it engages the same regions in your brain. Um, that stimulation of learning a language and using a language is very similar to learning an instrument and playing the instrument. Uh, so I think that they are both very intertwined. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, you know, writer, poet, said it best. He said, music is the universal language of mankind. And I couldn't agree more. That was actually a huge impetus for creating my startup, Univoice, the language-based or music-based language learning company, uh, because I just I couldn't agree more that that is the, the glue that unifies us all. Because music is the most ubiquitous form of communication. It's the most long-standing form of communication as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think that they're incredibly intertwined from a neuroscientific as well as a sociocultural standpoint. So, uh, du warst uh, ein halbes Jahr in Deutschland? Ja, ein halbes Jahr in Deutschland, genau. <lacht> cool. Just also checking. Ungefähr, ja, also weniger als vier Monate, aber ja, sure. fast, fast halbes Jahr. So, you worked for a, an NGO uh, in Germany. Uh, yes. You obviously have a vision for uh, helping the world, changing the world. Um, you see the the a way to do that through music. Uh, you and I are cut from the same cloth that way. Music is, maybe it's not classified as a language, but it's a shared vocabulary. It's a shared experience between musicians every day, musicians from various cultures and so on. 
So what is your app trying to do? What is your project trying to do, your company? Very good question. So Univoice, the first mobile app that teaches languages exclusively through music, we have a big vision to break down cross-cultural barriers and accelerate cross-cultural connection. And we, you know, perceive that the biggest market gap for all language education and really e-learning in general is a lack of engagement and a lack of long-term attention. So utilizing a method that is by at its root, one of the most engaging methods and neuroscientifically advantaged to be one of the best methods for long-term attention and information recall, which is music, uh, there's a huge opportunity using that as the medium by which we connect the world. And to me, what's always really frustrated me is the fact that connecting with people across cultural and language barriers is really fun. It's a really exciting thing to do, but the process of getting to is very academic and boring. It doesn't really make sense, right, that you'd have to sit in a classroom to learn how to chill with somebody at a bar in France or in Germany or in Lebanon or wherever it is. It should feel as fun from day one. It should feel as fun the second that you start the pursuit to when you're out having drinks. Like, it should be engaging. It should be dynamic. It should be growing from the start. It shouldn't feel like you have to do a year's worth of language class or uh, rote memorization, you know, flashcard, death by flashcards. To me, it, it needs to be that dynamic and engaging pursuit from day one. So that's really what we're trying to do. In my early days of teaching, I was teaching German. And I remember one of the things I loved telling the students, because I, unfortunately, uh, American culture makes students feel stupid about languages. Uh, so that's part of the reason they don't want to do <laughs> They don't want to speak other languages growing up. And literally, you know, students would come in and, and say, oh, I've always failed. Uh, professor, like I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, but I, I suck. <laughs> and I'll say, you speak English pretty good, <laughs> you know. But it's like, you know, it, there was there was fun to learning English when these kids were young, or whatever their native language is. But what about the other languages? Why is why are we attaching fear to it and not joy and fun? Yeah, fear and roteness and and these mundane, boring methods. Oh. It's like. Yeah, like you said, why is it so fun to learn our first couple languages in life and awful to learn anything else thereafter? It, it really is counterintuitive. So just to be perfectly clear, um, I don't know any languages. I struggle with English. So, it's, uh, yeah. Well, you, 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 speak, guys, you speak finance pretty good. I speak finance pretty good. But English, not so good. Well, Australian-American... And English, I can sort of get by on, but that's about my linguistic skills. We all have our own strengths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. How successful is your app? I, I, I look at it and lot, my logical brain says, yeah, seeing a song in German and seeing a translation and getting it right is a really fun and quick and easy way to learn a language. So my logical mind says that. My practical mind says, really? <laughs> how, have, how have you found it? Is, it? is it actually really effective? Totally. So there's a lot of backing, right, for this concept before, um, and really before me, before I existed. And there's many a celebrity who claim, you know, uh, that's how I learned, that's how I learned. You know, Shakira, Shalbunshin, Jackie Chan, Sandra Bullock, I mean, it's endless. Uh, the number of artists who claim music is being a 90% share of, of why they learned or how they learned the new language. But it, it's even outside of the celebrity community, 
I mean, this has been the longest standing form of learning. Learning through music is, has really been you know, something of millennia. Um, the only thing is it just hasn't been commoditized and formalized in, in an application, like in a mobile app in the you know, new age of mobile in the last 15, 20 years. Uh, so it, it's really just capitalizing on you know, a new medium to distribute an already qualified and already proven method. The, the really big reason as to why I even started this company is I had an Instagram channel where I would teach languages through instructional videos. And then my second month in, I released a video series of Disney songs where I would strip them of their vocals and then overlay my own grammar lessons on instrumental tracks the world knows. And that went semi-viral just because I have very high standards of virality. But um, people were I mean, claiming that it was, it was one of the most effective things that they've ever used. And they're like, oh, finally, I know what the song means. Now I know how to, you know, how to engage with this content. Thank you. I wish I did this instead of language class, instead of flashcards, or Duolingo, and all the apps. So that's what really kind of spurred that interest. It was, it was that stint of market validation of people responding to this as a method. And a final thing to say is any new method, any new method before it's popularized or normalized is resisted. That's just the cycle of innovation, right? Everyone is going to question these new forms of learning in this case, uh, but there is enough backing evidence to corroborate this as, as a really legitimate path forward to, to learn language. So we speak to a lot of people who have told us that they taught themselves English by watching American movies, American TV programs. I would imagine the whole music aspect, the whole singing aspect just speeds that process up incredibly fast. So I think yeah. you're onto something, and I'm really excited to see how, uh, how it develops for you. Thank you. Yeah, the acceleration is a aspect. Really nice to chat with you, Sammy. Um, to close us up, what are you looking for from, are you, are you seeking investors? Are you seeking users? What's the, what's the next phase of business and how can folks help? That's a great question. And so the two key things always is, right, more ambassadors, more users, as well as more financial partners, investors. Uh, so, so far we have raised about $600,000 as a company. And we are continuing our fundraise. Um, if you know any individuals interested in learning more about it, uh, you can share my contact information. Uh, just for you know SEC regulation rules, I can't talk too much about the actual round details. But um, you know anybody who's interested can definitely inquire. Uh, so those are the two things we're always looking for. Find us on the Apple Store uh, through an iPad or iPhone. You can download and, and check out the Univoice app. And then also reach out if you have any questions of how you can participate and enjoy own a piece of the company. So I'll say shukran iktir, vielen dank, uh, grazie. Uh, what are some more? Uh, <laughs> um, how many languages can yeah. you say thank you in? Uh, let's think. I know. Gracias. Uh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> is another one, right? Um, <laughs> thank um, you. That's a good one. Yeah. Merci beaucoup. Uh, and Mandarin. Nice, nice. Yeah. So thank you very much. It's been fun to chat. I love a discussion that can be multilingual. Randy knows that. Yeah, it gives us an opportunity to talk behind his back, which is fun. It's amazing. And it's, that's really why we learn languages, Randy, is to just talk about people behind their backs, to be honest.
Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to throw my one thank you to Ringa Kasi. That's Indonesian. So Badass. that one I know. That was you worth this it. whole show. So thanks that for joining us, Sam. This has been really fun. Likewise. Thank you for the time, guys. Thank you, Sammy. So uh, I, I was not offended by your your description of the difference in the childhood homes in the Middle East and in Texas, but largely because I'm not a native Texan, I've chosen to live here. And I think your observation is very real. And I think it's exciting to see that that particular observation is also coming through in your app and in, in how you're changing the world for the better using music and language it's very exciting stuff yeah i mean really inspiring and what i love about conversations like this is we scratched only the surface i mean really just uh put a couple scratches in the in the top of this life and work and can't wait to see where you go and speaking of scratching if you are clawing your way to the top of you know i don't know your own silo in business you might need a little bit of a boost from Randy Baker. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm a business geek and I would love to help you stop clawing your way and literally take giant steps all the way to the top. Climb that mountain, get to the top, enjoy your life. It doesn't have to be as hard as you're making it. Yeah, we actually have, so we have something called the Profit Builder we've never spoken about. I feel like we're, we're like Bruce Springsteen launching a new song here. Randy's given me a, an evil look, but you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. You know, we got this new thing called Profit Builder uh, at Thought Partner Group. Uh, so if you're, you're interested in, you know, taking the next uh, step in business. Yeah, ask us about it. It's coming soon. And I think you're going to find it very exciting, especially for people just like you. Come over to thoughtpartnergroup.com and stalk us a bit. Take care and yeah. uh, don't fuck it up. Thank you.